0: So we're talking about having a new mindset. Uh, For some of us, it might be helpful to think about this morning having a new mindset or as Claire kind of connected it, having a new heart set, like to reorient our heart or our mind around this amazing love that God has for us. Uh, If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Psalm 42. This is this wonderful psalm. Written, This is one of the psalms that David didn't write. This is written by the sons of Korah. Essentially, these were military type of people, military guys, uh, heroes, but um, they were also kind of the leaders of the choir. Uh, Claire mentioned uh, the Song of Ascents, that psalm, 150, where they would start out their worship services much like we, we do, just singing worshiping in in song. Anyway, the sons of Korah, that was their responsibility, and they wrote, I think it's 11 or 12 of the Psalms, there's some profound uh, words in the Psalms, and this is one of them, and this is a powerful, powerful writing uh, in Psalm 42. I'd encourage you to read the whole thing, we're not going to read the whole thing. So, Psalm 42, starting with verse 1, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitudes, leading the procession to the house of God with shouts. Of joy and thanksgiving, among the festive throng, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet around, or I will yet praise Him, my Saviour and my God. And then verse 11, he repeats himself, or they repeat themselves, "Why are you downcast, O my soul?" Why so disturbed within me, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Now it's interesting between verse 5 and then the repetition of the basically uh, the writer and uh the, the God speaking through the writers to remind us to come back to encourage ourselves, to speak literally to our soul, to our heart, to our mind. Why are you so downcast? sandwiched in between that is a lot of difficulty waves and breakers they talk about that sweep over them they talk about being oppressed by enemies and even those that are around them uh, mock them that they make fun of them essentially for having a relationship with god and it's at the end of that that they again strengthen their own mind and heart and their soul augustine put it this way it O God, has made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. Now, this psalm is so powerful, and it's interesting if you kind of do some checking, like online and some research and stuff, the vast majority of talks is about how to deal with depression. And this psalm is a great psalm to, if you wrestle with depression, to kind of read through and pay attention. And uh, certainly some of what we'll talk about today is applicable to that. Um, But beyond that, I think that the, the writers bring out a couple of other things that are important, a couple of things I want to talk to you about that are critical in this psalm and would be helpful if depression is what you're wrestling with. But I think for resetting your heart and for all of us to reset our mind on Christ and the love that God has for us, there is some treasure here. The first thing that I think we can gain out of this is this issue of staying focused that to have a new mindset, it's critical that we stay focused. The writers here say, as a deer pants for streams of water. One version says, so my soul cries out. This version says, my soul thirsts for you. You can't read that verse of scripture and not see that there's this longing, there is a yearning, there is a hunger, a thirst a desire to return again and again and again. So you get this sense that it's out of the place of God's love and receiving God's love for each one of us and for our love for God and desire for God and God's desire for us, that focus begins to flow out of that. And it's out of that place, that's where generosity starts to flow out of our lives. That's where serving flows out of our lives, is in a focused relationship with Christ. That's where love for others flows out. That's why, for instance, why we, we have come to a place as a church where communion is so critical. Communion is so essential in this, because this is what we surround, this is really what we come together for, is Christ's love for us and our love for Christ, and then out of that flows our love for one another. That's why we, that's one of the reasons why we celebrate communion, is to be able to once again, once a week at least, to refocus on the fact that God is incredibly in love for us. I remember when I was first falling in love with Claire, which has just continued uh, to build, but I, it was like she was just And continues to be just so out of my league right it's like i won the lottery and i'll never forget you know we went to school for several years together and just just all of the sudden uh without getting into a big long story one of my friends told me that there was this opportunity i had for this person that i felt like was out of my league that might even want to go out on a date and then we began to go, as Claire would tell you that the first date was so bad, she didn't believe there could ever be a, a worse date, so she thought, this guy intrigues me, because that was such a bad date, there's no way he can outdo that. So she, saw, she said, I'll try again, see if it can even get worse. And here we are, almost 40 years later. But I'll never forget it, this whole process of falling in love with Claire, and we're into our relationship for a little bit, and I'm, like, really falling in love with Claire. And, like, I'm doing crazy, ridiculous things that I'm not even thinking are crazy or ridiculous, right? Like, at one point, Claire didn't know how to drive a stick shift and at our house uh, because stick shifts were just cheaper. It wasn't because we were a cooler family. It was less expensive, So we had cars with clutches at one point. I'm like, okay, well, let's go. I'm going to teach you how to drive a stick shift. We had this TC3, for those of you that are old enough, orange TC3 with racing stripes. I think it's a two-cylinder or something. (laughs) Anyway, so Claire was driving, and she was not doing real good with the clutch action, trying to describe to her. So I got down on the ground, And I grabbed her feet and I began. I couldn't see where we were going and I began to move her feet. And she's like driving and I don't know and I'm trying to pay attention. And to this day, people think I have a foot fetish. I mean, they think that was weird. I was just falling in love. I'm like, to me, it seemed perfectly normal to do crazy stuff because everything I was doing was devoted and was about wanting this person to love me back. And this is what the psalmist is saying here. As a deer thirsts and pants for water, so my soul, God, because I want to show you my love. It thirsts for you. I find myself doing things that are inexplainable, that are really beyond reason at times. Even some of my foes mock me because of my deep love for you, and I love it. They get back to the end of the scripture and they repeat, I will praise God. I'll remind my soul doesn't matter how weird this is, it doesn't matter how odd it feels, all I know is I love God, and my soul is thirsty for God, and my decisions and my, my way of thinking, when, when we're in love with God and we're thirsty and hungry for God, we find that all of our decisions start to be, not just, not just God is a part of the package, Right? like my relationship with Claire. Claire was not a part of the package of my life when I was falling in love with Claire and even now as I'm in love with Claire like that's not just part of the package of my life. Do you understand? It's that that's what becomes centric. My relationship, your relationship with that's what the psalmist is saying is out of this intense focus for God. I'm going to pursue God. See, and what happens to us is as we hunger and thirst, this is, one of the, this is really one of the biggest challenges, especially when it comes to staying focused on our love for God, is one of the biggest challenges, if not the biggest challenge, is abundance and the quenching of thirst. Because as we pursue God, as we're in pursuit of God, and as we go, we apply our hunger and our thirst to, to our love relationship with God, out of that comes many blessings. Blessings start to pour into our lives in different ways. And we know that God's working in our lives, and we sense his presence, and good things start to happen, and this becomes a challenge. Literally, provision becomes the challenge. Abundance, as it comes into our life, we begin to take it for granted how much God loves us and how much we love God. It's kind of like this. I heard a story recently about a guy. He said, you know, this, this dad... Uh, True story. He says, you know, uh, my daughter, I I love her so much when she was little. He said, I remember like I would drive home and the garage door would open. And when she heard me uh, come in the garage, she would run out and just wrap her arms around me. Daddy, it's so great to see you. I'm so happy you're here. And he said, it wasn't just like she would just grab my leg. It was like she would just lunge at me and just kissing on my neck and stuff. He said, "I, I loved it so much. And he said, you know, at one point she just, she loved cats. And he said, I didn't, I hate cats. But she really wanted a cat. So he said, you know, here's this girl, this little girl just loving me so much. And he said, as a dad, I just wanted to give her the cat. He said, even though I hate cats, I gave her a cat. He said, I remember the day I brought home the cat and I gave her the cat. She was so excited. Daddy, I love you so much. Same kind of deal, you know. She grabbed the cat, immediately went into the bedroom, put clothes on the cat, you know, doing the whole... He said everything seemed right with the world that day. I loved her, she loved me, she loved the cat, and everything just seemed wonderful. She was so pleased with me. He says, then all of a sudden I noticed as time was going by like the garage door would open and there would be no little daughter running out to hug me and... He said, I'm thinking, well, maybe the garage door's not as loud as it used to be. So he said, I would start to come in the door and say, you know, daddy's home, daddy's home. And she's not in the kitchen when I got in the kitchen. And then he said, I started to say, honey, where are you? And she'd say, I'm back here in the bedroom with the cat. He says, I hate that cat. (laughs) He actually said, I finally got rid of that cat and said there were other reasons, but... He said, I gave her the cat because I loved her. But now all she wants to do is play with the cat. And I couldn't help but think about that's how we can get in our relationship with God. Because what happens is abundance comes, goodness comes... God blesses us. God brings us things that bring deep gratitude in our lives, things we're longing for and yearning for, things we're hoping for. We get blessed in our career. We get blessed financially. We get blessed in our families. We get blessed in our relational world. We get opportunities that go beyond what we could have imagined, hoped for, or thought of. And if we're not careful, we can really get consumed with the cat. And forget about the fact that we've got this relationship. We can get into our stuff. We can get into our blessings. And we get distracted from the focus of our longing. And that focus of our longing is God and only God. C.S. Lewis puts it this way in talking about longing and desire and the distraction that can come with evidences. He says, you know, with books or music in which we thought the beauty was located, they will betray us if we trust in them. It was not in them, it only came through them, the blessing. And what came through them became a longing. And these things, the beauty, the memory of our own past, they're good images of what we really desire, but if they are mistaken for the thing itself, they will turn into dumb idols. And they will break the heart of every worshiper, for they are not the thing itself. They are only the scent of a flower, the flower that we have not found yet. They are only the echo of a tune that we have not heard. They are like news from a country that we have not visited. God brings benefits. The psalmist tells us in Psalm 103 to forget none of God's benefits. The instruction is never to forget the benefits. We should live a life of gratitude. But blessings and provision, generosity of God, healing, the power of God, restoration for our lives, deliverance, they are all awesome, but they are not God. God. The psalmist would say, stay focused on your longing for God. For those other things can never replace God, whom our soul longs for. In verse 5, the scripture says, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him. My Savior and my God," and then goes through that difficult stuff and comes back in verse 11 and says it again, "Why speaking to his own soul, mind and mindset and heartset, why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. The psalmist essentially tells us to speak life into our mindset, to speak life into our heartset, to speak goodness and God's blessing and the fact that we can hope, always can hope in God. The God that, that brings blessings is the God that we can hope in. It becomes an anchor to our soul, to our mind, to our heart. Some of you remember in, John, or in Matthew chapter 11, John the Baptist is in jail. And at one point, he's about to be executed for his faith, essentially. And he hears that Jesus is going about doing some wonderful things. He finds out that Jesus is in the area of the, the prison cell that he's in. And he begins to doubt, and he begins to have a need for his heart and his mind to be reset and the scripture says, he says to a couple of folks, he says, can you go ask Jesus if he's still the one? I'm about to lose my head over my faith. And the scripture says that Jesus told, I love the wording in, in John or in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew says, go, Jesus says to, to the folks, he says, go tell John what you see. And what you hear, in other words, let John know what I am still doing and help him let go of what isn't happening. Tell him that the blind receive sight and the lame walk and those who have leprosy are cured and the deaf still are getting their hearing back. The dead are raised and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man or woman who does not fall away on account of me. In other words, go help John get his heart reset. I am with him even in his prison cell. See, we need to always be reminded when it comes to speaking life into our heart and our mind, it isn't denial. Faith does not deny that problems exist. Faith denies the influence of the problem. Faith does not deny a problem exists or problems exist, but faith denies the problem's influence on our life because what happens is we need our heart reset sometimes and we need our mind reset sometimes because we feel like we're in a prison cell and we're wondering Jesus are you still there see if if we all if we if i brought each one of you up every one of you including myself we could recite different problems and things that we would say maybe i've even prayed for certain things that have not come to pass every one of us would have multitudes of things or certainly a group of things that we could talk about that have not been resolved in our own lives, things that are hurting. And Jesus would never ask you to deny the fact that those problems exist. And when the psalmist says essentially to speak life into that mindset, to remind yourself, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you disturbed within me? Hope in God. And I will yet praise him, my savior and my God, a reminder why in the world am I letting the existence of problems influence my life so much. In other words, protect my heart, God. There's this story in the Old Testament of Elisha and He's, he's kind of out traveling the countryside and he's with his servant and they camp out for the night and there's an army that's after them and the scripture says they wake up in the morning and the servant goes out with a cup of Blossom and Roast coffee from the tent and looks and all the servant can see is a reality, an army surrounding them chokes on his coffee, not because it's not wonderful coffee, but he thinks he's about to die, comes back in and says, hey, Elisha, by the way, there's an army out there, and I think we're the target. And Elisha prays and asks, God, let him see. Let him have another different mindset and heart set. Let him see. Just like Jesus did for John. Let let him know in his heart. Let Let him receive the life that only you can offer by resetting his heart. They walked back out and they looked around, all the way around the army, there were warring angels surrounding the Aramean army and they were about to destroy The Aramean army, before they would be able to get to Elisha and the servant. There are always two realities. There are the realities that we see with our eyes, there are those things, the problems that don't seem to be resolved in our life or in the lives of those we love. That is not a false reality, that is a real reality. But there is a second reality. And the second reality is the God that you serve and you love has surrounded every one of your problems, every one of your difficulties with warring angels. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. That is not just a once-in-a-while occurrence. So as we come before God and we say, God, just reset my mind today. I want to I just refocus on you. I want to speak life into my own soul, my own heart set, my own mindset. I think we have a question to ask before we pray And it's simply this question. Will I live in reaction to the enemy's strategy against my life? Or will I live in response to the love that I know and the protection that is given to me in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Will I allow the the problems of my life the strategy of the enemy, which is for death and destruction in my life to be the thing that drives me and the thing that I will make decisions about how I'm going to live my life or am I going to live out of this place of confidence even when I'm in a prison cell? Am I going to live with a reset heart of the God who loves me is with me even when I can't see it? There's always that reality that God is with us.
1: So why don't we stand together and we're going to practice what Scott just taught us. and um, Allow yourself just for a moment to pray the way you do. Bow your head or close your eyes, however you do that. Fold your hands, lift your hands. Open your hands before God. And just stay focused for a minute on your love for God. Whatever caused you to fall in love with Jesus? That moment where you were awakened to God. Maybe there's many days to choose from where you are aware that your focus was on God, that it wasn't on the blessing, wasn't on the cat, wasn't on a person God gave you, wasn't on a thing God gave you, but a moment where you love to God. Just stay focused on that for a moment. And even as you're focusing on it, just allow love to grow for God. Remembrance of your love for God. What even drew you to start to pray or sing or gather together in a church, just allow that wonderful experience, focus on that, that when you thought there was nothing better than God, nothing is better than God. There isn't anything I want more than God, nothing I hunger for more than God. stay focused there.
2: place your love
1: So now we're holding in your presence, God, what we need to speak life over, where we've lost our focus. And we say, God, that it's better to be in your presence than to be in the presence of pushing, making things happen, demanding, being anxious. It's wonderful to be in the presence of the God who holds heaven and earth in your hands. Remind us, God, that it's better here, that it's better to be in your presence trusting you with all things, to speak life over it, that there are more for us, that you have our best in mind, that we can be confident of this very thing, that you who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. But God, you're in charge of our lives every time we ask you every time we remember and so I pray for that this week for my friends that they remember that this is better it's better to be focused it's better to speak life it's better we put our hope in God we put our hope in God and we praise you Remind us on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. Remind us that this is better to stay focused and speak life. Bless my friends with that grace this week, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week, everybody.